Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your steps. We are faced with decisions every day. Some big. Some small. At Palmcraft Church, we are fortunate to stand on the shoulders of giants. The Proverb Project has gathered the wisdom and insights of many that have gone before us. Will you join us every day for the month of May as we study the book of Proverbs together? Greetings and salutations to the college age class at Palmcroft Baptist Church. My name is Gary Goss. I am uh, an old cotton picker. I'm a retired juvenile probation officer and supervisor for the Maricopa County Superior Court here in uh, Arizona. I've been married to a fantastic lady for 57 years. We have two sons, two daughters-in-law, five grandchildren, a grandson-in-law and a granddaughter-in-law. I'm very fortunate to have my family. Our history of Palmcroft Baptist Church goes clear back to the time when dinosaurs walked the face of the earth and the campus was down on McDowell Road. Okay, I do not know uh, too many of you personally, but I want you to know that you are loved, valued, and prayed for by the people of the church, certainly in the Goss family. Recently, George asked me to make comments about Proverbs 21. This chapter is fantastic, but it contains 31 verses, and it doesn't leave too much time to dissect it verse by verse and let you know what's really in there. Instead, what I'm going to do is tell you a story that I think graphically illustrates the substantive elements of Proverbs 21. This chapter is important because it draws a contrast between a righteous and an unrighteous attitude. The story is about the righteous attitude of Abraham, contrasted to the backslidden attitude of his nephew, Lot. We know from 2 Peter 2 that Lot was indeed a righteous individual. He was even tormented by the sin he saw in Sodom, but he didn't care about it enough to really and truly separate himself from it. Proverbs 21 starts with a reference to God's power and ends in verse 31, also making a reference to God's power. Fantastic chapter, and you need to go back and read this on your own. The story of Lot begins in Genesis 11:27. Abraham is a key player in Lot's life for almost the whole time what we know about Lot. Lot is mentioned in Genesis 11, 12, 13, 14, and then it skips down to chapter 19, and that whole chapter is a story of, of his uh, unrighteous attitude and, his, and what happened to him when he parted from Abraham. Lot is not mentioned again until Luke 17, where Jesus himself gives a warning, two warnings, one about Lot and one about his wife. Lot isn't mentioned again until 2 Peter 2, where Peter pronounces him to be a righteous man indeed. Lot, along with Abraham, returned to Bethel. They had gone to Egypt because of a, a famine in the land. The first thing Abraham, this righteous, wonderful man, does when he gets back to Bethel, where he had previously been, is he goes to an altar that he had built before they left there the first time. It says, quotation marks, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Oh, yeah. Lot and Abraham became rich while they were in Egypt, and a lot of Lot's wealth came from Abraham. Okay, they had 
cattle and sheep and oxen and, and all kinds of uh, animals that they had to feed and take care of that made them wealthy in that day and age, in that place. The land around Bethel was ins- had insufficient carrying capacity to take care of the flocks and the wealth of both men, and so they finally they talked about it and they made a decision that they would part, and one would go one way and one the other. The next thing Lot does, now he was offered the pick of the land. Abraham gave him first pick, and he took it. He didn't, he didn't consult with Abraham about what he might want. He was selfish. He lifted up his eyes. First thing he did, he lifts up his eyes, and he looks at the plain of Jordan. Okay, it's a well-watered place, green vegetation all over the place. It'd be a great place for him to advance his wealth. He would take his herds there, and they would expand like crazy and make him even, even more wealthy than he was. There was no altar for Lot. An altar is a place where you lay yourself down. You give him your best. You let him know that he's most important. You ask him what he wants of you, and you worship him. No altar for Lot. No calling on the name of the Lord like Abraham did. Lot chose, quote, himself, all the plains of Jordan. Okay, he loved to look at that land. He says, man, I'm going to get wealthy up there. Didn't think about Abraham or anybody else. Thought about himself. Lot was wealthy because of Abraham, but he wanted first choice, and he took it. Lot was an unappreciative, spoiled, narcissistic, self-centered snot. He decided he didn't want or need God to run his everyday life. He had his eyes on wealth and not on God. But there's just one little problem. All five cities in that area make Babylon look like a Sunday school picnic. Okay, the rampant sexual deviancy would make a billy goat puke. And that's where he wanted to go. Uh Uh-oh. How could a man who was deemed righteous by God through faith live in a hellhole like Sodom? This can happen easily to any Christian who makes God the Lord of his or her salvation, but they are not willing to make him the Lord of their life and to get their eyes off on other things. So Lot moves his tent where he actually faces the city of Sodom, and then after a while, guess what? He moves right on into it. He even becomes a judge there. I wonder how he got that job. Chapter 19 records the destruction of Sodom as judgment from an almighty God because of their sins. Because of Abraham, Abraham's love for Lot, He prays for him, not once but several times. In fact, I think he was in a constant state of prayer for his nephew. He cared about him. In Genesis 17, three people come to visit Abraham and Sarah. Okay, one is Jesus, and the other two are very powerful angels. When Jesus appears in the flesh in the Old Testament, it's called a Christophany, and this was one of those rare times. Okay, they come by this time, remember, Lot has already moved to Sodom. Okay, they visit and they and they promise Abraham and his wife a son. Okay, and the, and the parts of the Abrahamic covenant are, are divulged at that time. Jesus disappears, but the two angels who were sent to execute judgment literally disappear. They they go toward Lot or towards uh, Sodom. Okay. Uh, the next thing we see is that they go and warn Lot of the impending disaster and tell him he has to leave with his wife and, and children. Gather up all your all your possibles and your family. Let's get out of here. There's two daughters that are married to Sodom. These guys are both perverts. 
all four of them perish in the initial assault that God brings on the city. In verse 20, okay, immediately before destruction, Lot is ordered by the angels to go to the mountains. He objects. The angels give him permission to go to a small town of Zoar. Lot could not part with the comforts that he knew in Sodom. And so instead of going to the mountains where God commanded him to go, he said, no, I'm going to go up here to Zoar. Zoar is just a little sound town. Now, God, over here in Sodom, there's all kinds of horrible things going on. You see things that are just awful, and I know that you're really, really distressed with those. Okay, but in Zoar, Zoar is just a little tiny town. And they only have like little tiny sins there, God. If I go over there, I won't see the big sins they have in Sodom. I'll see little sins, you know. The only thing they do there is take their clothes off and go into city park and kiss each other on the popo. I can handle little things like that, okay? So let me go to Zohar instead. It's kind of like, God, it's kind of like the difference between watching porn on TV and maybe a sitcom. I can compromise with evil and not have it touch me. Really? Before their destruction, they're ordered not to look back. Lot's wife did not look back, or did look back, and has turned to a pillar of salt. She also couldn't leave the comforts of the world. She didn't want to leave that behind. In verse 24, judgment is finally executed, and every man, woman, child, animal, and all the vegetation are evaporated in fire and brimstone. Okay, this isn't just a little fire. This is like more like an atomic bomb or Mount St. Helens. The whole plain, including Sodom, Gomorrah, Zabom, and Adma, they're all evaporated. They're all, they all go up in smoke. And the only reason that uh, Lot didn't get his skinny little disobedient behind burned up is because of Abraham, 35 miles to the north, praying for him the whole time. Zoar is spared because Lot is there. Right after the destruction, Lot leaves Zoar and goes to the mountains where he was told to go in the first place. By this time, both his, his wife and two of his daughters are dead because of his disobedience. In verse 31 and 32, Lot's two surviving daughters hatch this demonic, perfidious plan. They will get their father drunk, they will go to him and have intercourse, and they will thus, quotation marks, preserve his seed. And you know what? They're successful. You could take these girls out of Sodom, but you couldn't take Sodom out of the girls. Sodom is reborn in that cave. Everybody thinks it's burned up, but it's reborn in that cave. What they did was vituperous in the face of an almighty God. So let's compare Abraham's righteous attitude to Lot's unrighteous attitude. And by the way, we're only touching just the high points of this story. Strongly and lovingly recommend that you go back and read this in detail in your devotionals. Fabulous story. Abraham turned his eyes to God. Lot looks to the land that would make him wealthy. Abraham had an altar. Lot didn't have an altar. Abraham desired God. Lot desired money. Abraham avoided evil. Lot thought he could compromise with evil and not have it touch him. Abraham believed in God. Lot believed in himself. Abraham prayed for Lot. Lot didn't pray for Abraham. Abraham would never expose his family to sexual corruption, and Lot took his family right into the eye teeth of corruption. Abraham had peace. Lot had chaos. Abraham is a member of the Hebrews 11 Faith Hall of Fame. Lot is not mentioned again. 
after 2 Peter 2. What a shame. The results of this incest is absolutely pernicious. There's two boys born to those girls, and they're incest with their father. One is named Moab, and the other is named Ammon. They fathered two nations, the Moabites and the Ammonites. Have you ever heard of them? If you've read the, New, the Old Testament, you have. They caused Israel huge problems until God finally destroyed them in 2 Chronicles 20, a thousand years after the destruction of Sodom took place. God never forgets. He always honors his promises. He will take seriously the things we cast aside. Okay, Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, Abraham knew about that promise. Abraham knew about that concept. And Lot didn't. He wasn't crucified. Okay, he was living for himself. Okay, where are the plains of Jordan now? They're gone. They're completely evaporated. And actually, the 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 uh, the the, dead, the 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 Red Sea actually raised in height, and those all those cities, including Zoar, are now buried. Okay, in Genesis 13, 14, and 15, after Lot and Abraham parted, God told Abraham, He said, "I want you to look to the north, the south, the east." and the West. All the land that you see is going to belong to you and your children and your posterity forever. Okay? Where's Sodom and Gomorrah in the plains of Jordan now? Gone. Where's the, the land that God gave to Abraham? It's now the present modern state of Israel. Oh my goodness. Think of that. Okay? Abraham knew and Lot learned the hard way that the price you pay for serving God is always less than the price you pay for not serving Him. That's a that's a very uh, synthetic and uh, superficial look at the story, but it serves to point out the big differences in the attitude of the righteous as compared to the unrighteous seen in the 21st chapter of Proverbs. Okay, God bless y'all. To you girls, I got a grandson about your age. He's looking for a wife. So if you get lonely, uh, come by my house and pick him up and run away and I'll pay for the whole thing, okay? He makes funny noises in the night and his table manners aren't very good, but you get used to him after a while. Actually, we love you and we pray for you all the time. God bless. I hope you get something out of this lesson.